You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the Football Grump. With me, as always, is Mike, the Cranky Fan, and we are here to celebrate the third non-consecutive opening weekend of the XFL. That's correct. You know, I spent the entire weekend either watching live XFL, watching replays of the games this past weekend, watching classic games from 2000. Uh, I am XFL'd out. And if you believe that, I have a bridge to sell you. So. <laughs> I was going to say, what are you telling me right now? Okay. That's not true. Um, I saw, uh, what's his name? Um, Dallas is that four-string quarterback they have. What's his name? Ben DiNucci. Uh, ben DiNucci. Lost fumble, last night to my uh, – Fumble on the one-yard line. I think I, was, I watched two plays in that game. I was flipping around, I think, because the NBA All-Star game was beyond brutally bad. And I flipped over, and I saw, like, oh – there's 20 seconds left. This might be sort of interesting. And he just sort of fumbled. I'm like, all right, that's it for my XFL watching this year. No, like, I'll say this much. I'll say this much. Um, the quality of play is not quite there across all teams. But the extra point situation they have of the 1.2.3 points is cool. And in that game, speci- uh, not that game, the St. Louis game, the Sunday afternoon game, all of those like rule changes happened in like the last couple minutes to help St. Louis. I saw that. That's cool as hell. I, I'm not yeah. gonna. Lie. And also the, do you like the instead of the onside kick, the mm-hmm. fourth and fifteen play? But that was kind of interesting. That was cool, and it worked. Can I ask you an important question though, Grum? Yes. Have you ever? You know, you've been a Giant fan now, basically your whole life. So we're talking going back into the nineties, right? Eighties. Eighty-seven. To the eighties. Okay. How the hell old are you? Thirty-five. Okay, so I was going to say some basic. So I, I was born like 10 months too late for the first Super Bowl. Okay. Have you ever been as excited sitting in Giant Stadium, MetLife Stadium, an away game, as some of the fans were at the end of that, uh, that first XFL game? So, all right, I'm going to give you the full di- – I didn't – I wasn't really planning on talking about this for very long. But full <laughs> disclosure is I went to the bar last night to kind of – half-ass watch that game but also the devils were on so i figured if it sucks win-win right i will say unequivocally that the nba all-star game was the worst thing that was on tv sunday night oh it was awful. the xfl game was objectively more interesting right um but, but and, i'm talking and, about fans well of- so here's the thing we noticed that those guys were being insane and we we're like i can't believe there's I couldn't believe that they even had a night game. Like, yeah, who who's going to go to a game at night outside in Maryland? In D.C.? In D- yeah, in, in February. And it was – so we're, we're like, what the hell is going on? And then there was this whole thing with throwing lemons on the field where, like, I guess security took away their beer cup tower. So they yes. got mad and they found some, some plethora of lemons with some – I guess was like – supplies for like some drink at concessions and the fans took them and were throwing them on the field and uh, 
So through this whole thing, I'm like, what? what is happening with these lemons? I'm like looking stuff up. Allegedly, the DC Defenders XFL fan base is like notorious for being the more wild one. Like, I guess like your Bill's Mafia of the XFL. Or, so, they're, just, or they're just paid plants. I mean, or they're just paid plants. But I mean, that's yeah. – so to answer your question, I was wondering the exact same thing. And when I looked into it, that was what I found. Yeah, um, that, paid is, plants, that could be a backstory because I know – I know back in the day, you know, Casey Kasem used to do his top 40 countdown and like rap artists would give complete bullshit biographies that are like Humpty Hump from Digital Underground is a made up character. And they would send a story to Casey Kasem about his backstory and he'd read it on the air like Humpty Hump's voice got damaged in a, in a restaurant accident in Tampa. No, that's <laughs> all bullshit. That's a story. So what you might have read might have been a plant that was put in Wikipedia or something too. So, but just to, I just watched this. I'm like, you know, I've been to three Super Bowls. We've been to conference championship games. Me and you have traveled. You know, been really excited in big games. I've never been as excited as these knuckleheads were. Uh, so, I don't think it was that insane. They were pretty geeked. They were they were pretty into it though. Um, and I can tell you that having been in the crowd at a Maury show. I can tell you for sure that there are paid plants at those things. There are actual employees in the crowd to stir things up in case the actual crowd is not into it. I went to the the first ever NYCFC soccer match when it was in Orlando in 2017. And, you know, I was into it. It was exciting, but it was just like, okay, this is my first game ever wins. I'm not all of a sudden, you know, I'm not getting a, a, a tattoo of the team on my arm and acting like, a, like you know, sweating balls about the, the outcome of the game. Some of these people were. I thought it was pretty funny. So that's our XFL moment for you. Yeah. Our Giants moment, though. Real, legitimate, great news. Mike Mm -hmm. Kafka, Wink Martindale, both had head coaching interests, Arizona, Indianapolis, and both of those teams went the Philadelphia Eagles direction. Indianapolis going for Shane Steichen and Arizona going for Jonathan Gannon. Both of those guys will be returning. Shea Tierney had interest from Tampa Bay as an offensive coordinator. I have to assume that whole franchise is in teardown mode. Um, If they're not, they should be. They certainly should be. He had some OC interest there. He will be returning. The only coaching staff member thus far that has left the team is running running back coach DeAndre Smith went to the Coats to join Shane Steichen. I am not concerned at all with replacing a running backs coach. You, you know something, you, the running back is more important than the running back coach. And we'll get For to sure. that. <laughs> yeah. But you know something, we, we kind of figured that both guys would be back. We were a little concerned about Wink, but we both assumed that Kafka was coming back for this this uh, coaching cycle. And I think that is, you know, enormously important for this team, you know, for this have as many offense, offense coordinators and head coaches they've had in the last five, six, seven years to have a second year continuity with the coaching staff is going to pay so many dividends, you know, no matter who the quarterback and the running back will be. And we'll talk about that shortly, but huge, huge, huge uh, thing for this team going forward. Yeah. I don't think it can be understated. I'm, I'm reserved to understanding that both of these guys will not be here either in a year or two years. I really do think that both of them will be gone very soon. Um, but I didn't think that we were ready yet to move on. And 
And honestly, the Wink thing is a pain in the ass because there's not too many Wink Martindales out there. Forget even just how good he is. I just mean that style of defense demands a certain style of roster building. And to switch out of that to some other kind of defense, this team is just not ready to have to deal with that kind of roster wheeling and dealing right now. They are only just now getting in a real retool mode. We're wheeling right now. We don't have time to wheel and deal. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. And and so that was more my concern with Wink leaving. I don't want Wink to leave because I like him. But also, right. I just I think that sets us back like a whole ass year to to have to retool that. I mean, if Mike Kafka goes, this is still Brian Dable's offense. Mm-hmm. I'm not worried about having to retool. I mean, we might take a step back with continuity, getting a new offensive coordinator, getting some terminology changed. But I wasn't worried about it from like a cap standpoint or a draft standpoint. So, and let's be honest, this is not the greatest show on turf either. I mean, it's a an offense that obviously needs pieces, uh, you know, but was not a great offense. But you want to see building. You want us. You want this training camp to have as less chaos as possible. You know, the install of what this offense will be was done last year. Now you can kind of go in. Everybody, you know, knows when you go into the you know the off season OTAs. You know who's speaking. You know the language being spoken. You know the drills. You know the techniques. You know the cadence. Just having one of those will make things a lot smoother going into training camp and the beginning of the season. So it's it's just a, uh, you know, again, that doesn't solidify us to be a Super Bowl contender, but it just makes transition as roster building and building this team go just a little smoother. And on a similar vein, I'm – I think it's cool that Shea Tierney is coming back. I didn't really think Shea Tierney was going to go anywhere, but I don't attribute all of Daniel Jones's improvements last year to Shea Tierney fixing him. I, I think a lot of it just simply has to do with a better offense. I think it has to do with better personnel in front of him. He certainly was not under the same kind of pressure he was the year before. Uh, although, I mean, the offensive line, we agree, is still not very good. It was leaps and bounds better than what it was last year. And same with the wide receiving core. Again, you know, we said that the, we need a wide receiver one. We need this. We need that. We need Wondell back and everything. Still, we ended the season with NFL receivers. We didn't have guys coming off the street like we did the end of 2021. You think so? Oh, I think the receivers at the end of this season were far better than the end of last year. I'm trying to think. I mean, wasn't that still like David Sills and, you know, just – yeah. Guys didn't even really just, you know, I, I, I would go back and look at that final list of guys. I wonder how them, many of them are even in the league anymore. Yeah. Well, David Sills was just resigned. Um, so there's that. I don't know. Anyway, the point is, is that they have gotten their coaches back. The most important guys are back. This offseason's capital, this is Joe Shane will have some movement here. Right now they are $40 million, $41 million under the cap. They're going to need about $10 million or so for the draft class. So you can uh-huh. scratch $10 million off. Um, you can add about $2.5 million because when it comes time for cap, you only need the top 51 contracts to be under. So that helps. So you're looking at about $34 million in cap space. And that's before doing anything. Oh, as I say, does that include nope. the, some of the expected cuts? Okay, good. No, this, that's just where we're at right now. $34 million. Cutting Kenny Galladay, you can scratch in $7 million more. If you want to cut Leonard Williams, that's $12 million more, although I think a restructure is probably more likely. Again, we'll get to these guys mm-hmm. more specifically as we go through 
positions or whatever. Cutting a dory is another one that people talk about. That's $9 million you can add. Again, restructure I think is more likely. So there's money here. There's close to $50 million, $45 million, something around there to be spent this year. And remember, at this time last year, we were about to do an exercise of how can we cut $30 million. Remember that? Oh, <laughs> that dude, I spent just 12 hours trying to do prep for that episode. <laughs> yeah. I st- I'm still sore from the gymnastics we had to do just to get to that number. My, my calculator, the, the plus button is busted. It's <laughs> the best I got. They also have 11 draft picks. They have three inside the top 100. The fourth is 101, so that's pretty good. That means two third-round picks. They also have two sixth-round picks, and they have three seventh-round picks. Of course, you could get three guys in the seventh round. I think it's more likely you package them up. Maybe you get yourself another fifth-round pick, something like that, something a little bit more meaningful, but we'll see. Because I I know people are like, oh, seventh-round pick is garbage, whatever. There are running backs in the seventh round, man. Ahmad Bradshaw was a seventh-round pick. Isaiah Pacheco, Super Bowl hero, was a seventh-round draft pick. I was just about to say, uh, wasn't Pacheco a seventh-round pick? Brock Purdy was Mr. Irrelevant. Wasn't uh, Terrell Davis a seventh-round pick with uh, the Broncos? Was that a seven-round draft format at that time? He was either sixth or seventh round. I'm going to the Google machine to no, look at No, 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 no. That's not my question. My question is, was it a seven-round draft at that time, or was it many more rounds at that time? I'm doing some quick searching as we talk right now. Let's see. First of all, here's a fun fact. He is 13 days younger than me. <laughs> Makes me feel real old. Use your he Google sixth, pay. People. He was a sixth-round pick in a year where there was – Hold on. Seven rounds. Okay. Then there you go. Um, speaking of late round picks, I'm pretty sure Isaiah Hodgins was either a fifth or a sixth round pick. He is an exclusive rights free agent with the Giants. So he signed a one-year deal worth something around $800,000 because that is what the minimum is. And that's what exclusive rights free agents command. Um, for, for his production – that seems like a real value sign. Dude, are you kidding me? That's it. <laughs> I think that that puts him in consideration where if he is having an improved 2023 over 2022, you might be looking at like a mid-year extension for him. Yeah. Maybe. I, I'm not. I'm just saying don't rule it out. I, I, mm-hmm. I, um, I think I fully understand what Isaiah Hodgins is and isn't. Um, but that was part of a flurry of reserves, or uh, that was a move that was made during a flurry of reserves, future contracts, most notably to guys like Corey Cunningham, Devry Hamilton, that's valuable depth at tackle, Andre Miller, the tight end from Maine, that they, or wide receiver from Maine, they were converting to tight end, they were high on in preseason before he broke a bone, David Sills, Zion Gilbert, who got pro- playing time, Trenton Thompson, and Jashawn Corbin. Um other guys as well, but those are probably the most important names. Even that's a bit of a stretch. <laughs> okay. So, for this offseason preview, there is probably two conversations that are dominating your Twitter timeline, and it's time for us to weigh in. So, let's start yeah. with the Daniel Jones question. Currently at quarterback, the Giants have only one person signed, and that is Terod Taylor. As far as I know, Davis Webb is an, uh, a free agent, and so is Daniel Jones. 
He is now, as of today, Monday, I saw a report from the Post, which I don't know how much I believe, that he is seeking $45 million annually. And cue Twitter's response. I want to hear Cranky Fan's response. Tell me what you think about Daniel Jones, how much we need him, what the money is. I want to hear your thoughts. It's very simple for me. If you think he's your guy, the guy that you want to be on this team for the next X amount of years, you sign him. And if it's $5 million over what you think the market is or something, you get him. It's pure and simple. I mean, getting a, getting your quarterback is one of the hardest things you can do in professional sports. Um, he's been in the building now for a year. I, I think he completely turned around his perception in the building from day one when Dable and coaching staff got here to where he is right now. I think, you know, his brain, his uh, – his even keelness, I think, are very, very important things that if you want to survive in this New York market. I mean, look with the Jets, with Zach Wilson, a guy who just couldn't handle the pressure of playing here, just saying stupid things, not being able to play under pressure. Um, you have to make a projection based upon, you know, once this gets a, a, a better room of wide receivers, maybe a better uh, offensive line, maybe a better tight end also. But to me, if he's your guy and you make that decision, he's your guy, you pay. And maybe you overpay a little bit. But if he becomes the guy you want him to be, he'll be underpaid in a couple of years. So I think, you know, I think you go for it. I think you sign him if you think he's your guy. Do you think he's your guy? Well, it's not as simple as just do I think he's my guy. It always comes down to, well, what's the alternative? The problem the Giants have is they're too good right now to just get the easiest way and the cheapest way to get your guy, and that's through the draft. Oh, sure. I mean, it's a possibility you can get with a 25th pick your guy, uh, but the odds are a lot more longer. Possibly you can get him in the second or third round, but the odds are even more longer. And for a team that, you know, what, what are the Giants? Are the Giants a team that's still in the middle of a rebuild? Are they a team that made the playoffs and you expect to take the next step next year? Well, if you're draft, if you're saying goodbye to Daniel Jones and you're drafting a rookie, you are probably taking a step back. And, and you're not going to, you know, potentially be as good as you were this year. Um, if you want to get another quarterback in the free agent market, you know, there's other names out there. It's going to probably cost you close to the same because I don't think Daniel Jones perceived market value is going to be that much lower than a lot of these other guys that are out there that if you want to get and have them worth a shit, I mean, it's something, it's one of these things like people are trying to, you know, Oh, he's, he's worth too much, but they really want him. But like, if you're going to replace and you want somebody better than him, you're going to pay more. So I, I honestly, they're in a bit of a tough spot, I think, but I think you have to pay. And I think I've seen enough out of him with the limited tools that you know you structure it in a way i think i think the structuring of the contract is going to make it play an important part in this too it's not just the dollar amount and the years amount how do they structure it i think you can work something out in negotiations where it's advantageous for both sides um i think you do it okay um 
I'm going to go right out and say, I, first of all, I agree with a lot of what you said. I'm going to go right out and say that he is my guy. I think that probably surprises very few people who listen to the show or whatever. Um, that doesn't mean that I'm going to make endless excuses for him or whatever. My opinion actually doesn't really matter. But I, I think the thing is here, I don't know that he's going to be worth $45 million, but I think it's really a lot less crazy than people think to even ask that. I think he's probably going to end up landing somewhere around between 38 and 42 million probably annually. But here's the thing to keep in mind. I don't think people really truly understand what the quarterback market is right now, and that's not really their fault. That's not that's not me calling people stupid because A, the cap is not easy to understand or figure out, and B, the COVID effect on what happened to the cap the last few years is sort of unprecedented from a his a modern standpoint. I mean, sure. I can't remember the last time the cap went down. I mean, NFL rights every year go up and up and up. They up, don't go up, down. Up, up. Exactly. So right. what you have are people looking at how much Daniel Jones will cost in 2023 versus, say, Aaron Rodgers in 2023. And Aaron Rodgers is going to make $31 million. Well, the thing is, People like Aaron Rodgers signed contracts around the time of that COVID situation. And so if you look at his contract, by 2025, it's $60 million. So the idea that Daniel Jones will be playing for $38 million in 2025, theoretically, does that really... that? I mean, that's a bargain at that point. Here's some other contracts. Josh Allen, $40 million. Will be $50 million by 2025. Mahomes, $45 million. Dak is already at $50 million. Deshaun Watson is at $54 million every single year. Deshaun Watson. Who, right. His future in the, league, be in the league. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hurts is seeking near $50 million. He'll probably end up getting more than that. Cousins, Tannehill, $36 million. Kyler Murray will get $52 million in 2024. And, and think about guys like Trevor Lawrence are going to get paid pretty soon. I mean, he's already – he's starting year three next year. You know? but, but, it, but that's the thing is that the Trevor Lawrence yeah. market is going to be affected by what those contracts are at that time. And right. at that, that will be in like one year. These guys will be seeking four or five-year deals worth something like 50 to $60 million. Think about Russell Wilson will be over fifty million dollars from twenty twenty five on. Matt Stafford over fifty million dollars from twenty twenty four and beyond. Matt Stafford, who would you rather have? Twenty six year old Daniel Jones, or seven shoulder surgeries Matt Stafford, who won exactly. one Super Bowl with a great head coach and a loaded team going all in. Right. I mean, and that's not taking anything from Matt Stafford. I'm just saying. I think there's a fundamental misunderstanding from a lot of Giants fans of what the QB market is and isn't. And quite frankly, there are a couple teams out there looking for quarterbacks this year. Don't tell me you think the Colts or the Jets don't want Daniel Jones. Do yeah. you think they don't want him? Seriously. No, no. My question would be how many how many teams out there that are quarterback away from winning a Super Bowl would want Daniel Jones as opposed to you know, a Jets. Well, I guess a Jets. You could put me put those possibly in that category. I mean, I think the Jets think they are a quarterback away from being a very, very serious contender. I think they think that quarterback was probably. Hmm, I don't know what they think. I'm sorry. I don't pay enough attention to the Jets to know what they think. I assume they think 
that quarterback is in the top three reasons why they were not successful this year. And, and that's why I think they're going to make the jump for an, you know, an Aaron Rodgers. Right. I mean, there's a reason those names were connected outside right. of LaFleur. Is they going to look with a team like the Jets then, where they're going to look at, is Daniel Jones that guy who's – they think they're windows now. Do they think Daniel Jones is that quarterback who's going to come in and be the guy in the window right now? And by by now, I mean we're talking about a four to five year contract. Mm-hmm. So, I, I I'm just saying like and and I'm not trying to say that just because other teams want a guy you have, that's a reason to resign him. Uh, otherwise, I mean you'd be saddled with Landon Collins' massive contract or whatever. Or you have Ben McAdoo as your head coach. Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I mean, or you're, or you're re-signing a Steve Smith with a, a busted knee or whatever. Like, that's not a reason to re-sign a guy. But it's quarterback. It's the most important position in sports. And also, there is a lot of reasons to want him back outside of the market. So, I don't know. To me, I think that I try to make this work on a three-, four-year deal. Um, obviously, the money is important. I just think that maybe Giants fans hear numbers and think they understand them and maybe don't. And also, not for nothing, annual numbers are just averages. There are ways to work out a contract so that Daniel Jones gets the figures he wants that does not necessarily affect the cap in 2023 and maybe affects the cap more in 2024 or something like that. And I like to see that Venn diagram of of giant fans or football fans or just the public who thinks – that's a lot for Daniel Jones, and that's a lot, period. Because I think you hear a lot of people say, nobody is worth that. Well, yes, they are. I mean, you know, this, you know, does it mean somebody who does, who throws the football around should be getting $50 million where the guy who works in the hospital makes 20 bucks an hour? No, but that's not what this argument ever has been. I think some people just hear these numbers that sound so unworldly, and they just like, that's ridiculous. You have to, everything has to be put. Into they are context. unworldly, but just understand yeah. that we're talking about billion dollar enterprises. These are numbers you and I can't fathom. Yeah, you have to look at. You can't look at it as what you get paid. It's kind of like you are a a natural resource. You are a computer. You are a seven forty seven. You are an asset that makes it, you know, right a million dollar business in a you know a multi billion dollar industry run. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of a normie point of view, I think, but whatever. Um, I mean, that's obviously going to be the big focal point of the entire offseason is Daniel Jones, right? Um, I'm going to add this in there. Um, we talked already about coaches, and we talked already about quarterbacks. There was a time that I think started – Somewhere around, I'm not really sure when it really started, but it seemed to take shape around that 2004 NFL draft where all the quarterbacks came out, but it's after Tom Brady's emergence and whatever, right? And I think there became this unspoken blueprint of how you win at football at that time, and it was get the big dick quarterback. That's step number one. You're not winning without that guy. That doesn't happen anymore. Then once you got him, you get him a left tackle to keep him alive, and you get him an, a Randy Moss. So you get yourself this Tyron Smith, this Tom Brady, this Randy Moss, and that's how you score points in the NFL, and that's how you win games. And you run the ball, and then you play action, and you hit him deep. And I think at one time that was the blueprint everybody was trying to do. And so the name of the game 
was winning the quarterback sweepstakes. And that was what you put all your beans towards. That's why you tank seasons for Andrew Luck, etc. right? And I think the game has changed from finding this unicorn, a 6-4 quarterback that could move a little bit in the pocket, had the brain of a head coach, and the arm of a, I, I don't know, Viking, whatever. You get my point. You find, the, you find these unicorns like an Eli Manning, uh, a Tom Brady. You find these unicorns like Tyron Smith where you just make them in a left tackle factory and they're just the right random measurements and size and, and want to and whatever. And you do the same thing at wide receiver. You get a 6'4 wide receiver like Calvin Johnson. And you realize that this shit is just impossible. Like how who who can land all of these unicorns at once? They're not they're unicorns for a reason. The game seems to have changed to get yourself the guy who doesn't count against the cap that you can pay into forever. You get yourself the brilliant offensive head coach that can make things happen with cheaper products on the field. And I think that's the game now. And part of that game is getting a QB that can move. Daniel Jones moves really well. Um, and in the last year, he has accompanied that movement into his passing game. And we saw it even better down the stretch. where We saw him stretching plays outside of the pocket, manipulating the secondary, and throwing to wide open receivers in the end zone. Now, that seems like basic shit. But that basic mastery that he has just kind of put together over the next couple of years, he'll he's going to be deadly wherever he plays. I'm not going to compare the two for equal skill set but that was what made like Aaron Rodgers so dangerous not the fact that he has such a great arm and he was so smart and everything but the fact that he could move around the pocket so well and get out of situations not by being a scrambler but just being a great mover and that's what kind of Daniel Jones feels like to me is a great mover yeah yeah and I would say he's not really necessarily a great scrambler. I think he's good at reading when running is maybe his best option. And I, I clearly a great designed runner. We know yeah. that. Um, but you're right. Like Aaron Rodgers was the first of those quarterbacks that I can think of. Unless you want to count Mike Vick, which I'm not sure I want to do. I, I, he's a running quarterback. Who yeah. Also, who was a unicorn because he had that arm. But right. I, I, I agree with you. Yeah. But I think Aaron Rodgers was the first one of those quarterbacks that could really be dangerous with his legs. You're right. Well, if go a little, I guess a little further back, maybe Steve Young, but he might be. Yeah, Steve Young and Brett Favre, they could move, but did Steve Young really have the arm? He was accurate and stuff, but like. Uh, yeah. I don't know uh, if he really had the big. He's a lefty too, so he looked weird. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm a lefty. I but I think I, I think you're a lefty. Uh, in some things. Okay. Yeah, I think I actually knew that. I Not think, those things. He relaxed everybody. <laughs> um, I think that's kind of where I'm at with it. I don't really have anything else to add to the quarterback conversation right now. Do you? I, I yeah. I mean, the, the, you have to factor everything into a situation. Again, replacement value, replacement cost, replacement time. You know, does he fit what you're trying to do? do is he a fit in the building? And I think the answer is, you know, he's your guy. You get him. And then you work around it. I mean, ideally, you'd like to have somebody in a rookie, uh, uh, you know, uh, a great young guy in a rookie deal so you can pay for other stuff. But, you know, this is where we are right now. And uh, I, I think you get him. I think you keep him. 
Switching to the other side of that coin, the other side of that dime is Saquon Barkley and the running back question. So right now the Giants have two running backs under contract for 2023, and that is Gary Brightwell, and they just re-signed Ja'Shawn Corbin to a futures contract. Barkley and Breida are free agents. Um, I think it's reported that Barkley is seeking a Christian McCaffrey-type contract. I think he knows he's going to get less than that. I think we're looking at something around $12 million a year. Um, And take it away, Cranky. I am not a guy, if you know me at all, whether it's the Giants or the Knicks or any of my teams, I am not an idol worshiper. I, you know, I love players on my team, but I don't have, you know, I'm not nine years old. I have a poster of guys like Carmelo Anthony or Saquon Barkley in my bedroom. To me, you know, you don't keep them just because you love the guy. And that $12 million number, I'm looking at a list right here of uh, since 2009, the base salary of running backs who've won the Super Bowl. 460,000, 320,000, 1.5, 2 million, 2.5, 730, 585, 760, 900, 480,000, 1.05, 2 million, and 1.1. He is a really good running back. I don't think he is so elite and so great to justify that cost when this team still has a lot of other needs. And if you ask me, where am I spending my dollar on a quarterback or a running back? 10 times out of 10, I'm going to say quarterback. So to me, I'm not paying that money for Saquon Barkley. I am I am moving on. Um, not because I don't like him. There's nothing even to do with his durability. I just, for what this roster, the construction this roster still needs to be, and the value you're getting, I think you're best suited, you know, going, dipping back, getting a running back in the draft, getting somebody good, you know, as this offensive line gets better, as Daniel Jones continues to get better, as better weapons around him, you plug somebody else in. This is my feeling. Um, I think I'm in a take-it-or-leave-it situation. I, I think if it comes down to a Jones or Barkley situation, it's not even close. I'm going Jones. I'm going quarterback, for starters. But also... I know people are like, oh, Jones has like an injury history, but like we know Daniel Jones plays hurt. So the times he missed games, he was he was really, really hurt. Mm-hmm. Um so to me they have like similar injury histories. I, I I don't know. I um I think if you can bring them both back, I think that they complement each other well. I think Saquon Barkley benefits from a quarterback that can run as well as someone like Daniel Jones or Jalen Hurts or something like that. I think that Daniel Jones benefits from someone that can run in that scat back kind of way. Um, Especially because, I mean, you look at the RPO and you have to, as a tackler, always be worried with Saquon Barkley of completely stopping his tracks, turning around and running the opposite way. I mean, that takes a different level of dedication from a defender that is absolutely part of the game. I mean, they don't do that for Jones. Nobody's doubting Saquon Barkley. No, no, no but, but what I'm saying, all that. Yeah. what I'm saying is that these two players are not your normal running quarterback nor your normal running back. Um, 
And I think that when they're paired together, their talents in that regard are amplified. So if you can bring them both back, if that is financially possible, I think that's a good idea because forget the money. Like if, if money wasn't a problem, would you want both back? Of course. Okay. Sure. Okay. Just, just, I think there are people that don't, so whatever. But yeah, this the, is purely the, a financial decision for me. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, I think you can get I think you can get a functional, deadly offense utilizing um a different running back on a much cheaper scale, possibly even a drafted rookie scale, which is really cheap. Um I don't think you can get similar. Like I, I think you can get something that will work. But I don't think you can – I do think that Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, these guys are very rare talents. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that I guess perhaps his injury history or just Giants fans' overexposure to him, that is maybe being downplayed. Um, I don't know if you feel that way, but I, th- I think the insane stuff that Barkley can do is uh, being not talked about as much. But – let me ask you a question. You said if it's a question between Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, you'd pick Daniel Jones. Every time. What if the question is between, for cap money, Leonard Williams or Saquon Barkley? Saying you'd have to cut Leonard Williams or keep Saquon Barkley. I would probably cut Leonard Williams. Interesting. Um, we'll get to him in sh- like shortly, but to me... Leonard Williams is a very good defensive tackle, but also he is – it doesn't seem as hard to me to obtain beastly defensive tackles. There aren't a ton of them, but like it does seem like they come out every other year in the draft. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, to me, I think he's more easily replaceable. I think that's a spot that you're probably already worried about what you're doing with him this year. And if not this year, I think his contract is over next year. So you're probably already addressing him potentially this year anyway. But I I feel though, like defensive tackle, you know, a good defensive tackle, you probably have to draft higher for when we're running back. You could go a little deeper in the draft and get somebody. Well, that's absolutely true, but I think you can get simple. I it think becomes he, one of your higher priorities in the draft defensive tackle if you get it. hundred percent. But but yeah. like I said, I mean you you picked it, so I'm rolling with it. But defensive yeah. tackle is something they're probably looking at this year anyway. Uh, they have to be worried about what happens with Leonard Williams. And Leonard Williams, I already mentioned, is a possible cap casualty to begin with. So that means that they're on notice with him. Um so they're probably looking at sec first, second, third round for that this year or next year anyway. So if that me if you get to keep Saquon Barkley and your worst punishment is that you have to push that need up one year, I don't think that's the worst. But again, we're talking in these generalities and hypotheticals like round pick number. Yeah. Then the draft comes down to the players, right? I don't have my defensive tackle, you know, master list with grades and post combine stats. So that whole conversation is hypothetical anyway. But I think I think my my point here is is pretty much like I would like to have them both back. It's not financially reasonable. It's not likely to expect. Um, and if I had to choose, it's Barkley walks, Jones stays, and I think that's how it's going to go anyway. I 
think that's going to happen too. And I think there's going to be a lot of – I think there will be more outcry from the fan base if Barkley walks and Jones walks. But I think in the long run, this team is better off if Jones stays. I agree. Um, tight ends? I've been on a tight end uh, fetish the last – that's, that's why I wanted to let you hit it. I'll give you – let me just give you a quick rundown of the tight end situation is uh, – Daniel Bellinger is our guy. Uh, Myrick and Miller were re-signed. Cager and Hudson are free agents. So it's kind of Bellinger and who right now. Yeah, and none of those guys remind me of George Kittle or remind me of a guy who can just – is a complete mismatch you know, in the open field over the middle or anything. So you know, Bellinger's nice, but that doesn't prevent me from trying to go out if I could and get you know, an all-world tight end or something. I, I, I – you know more than me how that would fit into the offense and what they're trying to do. But uh, I just, I don't know. Just watching these playoffs, and I'm just like, God damn. I wish I had a guy like that on this team. It just seems like so many things are opened up in the offense. Makes everything else better, you know, having a really, really good tight end. And I don't think Bellinger's that guy right now or well, will ever be. Well, okay. So we'll take both of these positions together, the tight end and the wide receiver. But mm. – um. To your point, Bellinger is really nice because he's a very good all-around tight end. He does everything pretty well. Nothing Mm -hmm. spectacular, but he's a pretty good blocker, a pretty good mover. He's pretty good in the open space. He's got pretty good hands, and he runs pretty good routes. He's nice. Everything everything is pretty good, which means you can complement him with whatever's available to you, Mm -hmm. which means you can go out there and you can get yourself uh, the heavy blocker guy that's kind of the second talent is pass catching. And you let Daniel Bellinger take more of the pass catching reps, or you can get the receiver type and let Daniel Bellinger do more of the blocking reps. That's kind of nice. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the other position is wide receiver. So, I mean, the question here is who is our X wide receiver, right? Who's your, I mean, for a less schematic term, who's your number one wide receiver? Who is the slot receiver? Who's the depth? Um, right now, they have. Wandale Robinson, who's recovering from a ACL, Colin Johnson, Kenny Galladay, who's more than likely gone, and then Mickens, Pimpleton, Polk, Hodgins, and Sills. So I think Hodgins is probably your Z receiver right now. He's going to be, for lack of a better term, your number three. Um, Robinson's probably your number two, but I don't really know what to expect from anybody post-ACL, especially a shifty guy like that. I think you have a ton of questions here. You had asked me over the weekend via text, would you rather have a George Kittle or an A.J. Brown? I would rather have the tight end. And I gave you a myriad of reasons going back mostly that I think it's harder for – I think there are less guys in the league that can defend dynamic tight ends than there are that can defend number one wide receivers. I mean, lots of teams have a really good corner. Plus there's tons of things you can do schematically to take a number one wide receiver out of a game and force quarterbacks to throw elsewhere. Whereas with tight ends, it just doesn't work as well that way. And there's a lot more you can do with like motion and lining them up. And the looks are so goddamn multiple. I mean, to me, it's not even close. Um, That being said, both of these positions need shit badly, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think I think the Giants are in a position where if a 
George Kittle type tight end is there. They could take him and be less aggressive about wide receiver. And if there is a Randy Moss style wide receiver there, they can take that and they can be less aggressive with what they do at tight end. Do you feel that way? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, 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 it seems like there's just a different directions they can go. Um, I'm not even even thinking about draft. I mean, I think one of the things I also texted you over the weekend was, do you see them making that potential AJ Brown type of trade to get that guy out there? You know, who's may, we may not think is even available at this moment. Um, well, I mean, possibly happening. I absolutely. And, and here's why the only thing I have to compare Joe Shane to do historically is last year's draft and what Brandon Bean did in Buffalo, which is to say trade for Stefan Diggs. Right. So yeah, I could see that, which means also going back to Barkley is I could see them spending a day two pick on a running back. They did that three out of four years. Mm-hmm. Um, so even if you sign Barkley again, he's not the most durable fellow in the world, you know. And you know, if you want to have you know a, a, a competent backup who can hold, you know, carry this team for you know a, a, a snap or a drive or a game or a month. Just because he signed doesn't mean he's going to be playing every single down going forward for the next three, four years. Um, Sliding back to wide receiver for just a second. um, All I'm going to say is the fact that the Giants spent a second round pick on Wendell Robinson last year does not, in my opinion, preclude them from taking another slot receiver in this draft. They did the same thing this year. They had one in Kadarius Tony. Now, whether they already had the, their decision made about Kadarius Tony, they were going to move him as I don't soon think as they can. So. Okay, so then if they didn't think that, then that having Kadarius Tony, who we can all say, you know, health issues aside and you know, alleged mental issues, you know, attitude, it just is more talented. Wondell Robinson. They still drafted Wondell Robinson. Correct. Yeah. Um. So yeah. I, I know the, the question is often asked to me as I gush over Nathaniel Dell out of Houston because he's only 5'8". <laughs> do we really need another shifty small slot receiver? Yes, actually we do because we only have one and he's recovering from an ACL injury. Yeah, if you want to say that Kadarius Tony was never available, right now Wondell Robinson has to prove he can stay on the field, in my opinion as well, to be consistent. So you don't know. A major surgery... And- I mean, I wasn't even worried about ACLs with him. I was worried about him just because he's small and slight. Mm -hmm. And, like, I was just worried about him taking serious hits. And also, look at a team like Kansas City. They have, you know, a few little small shifty guys. And having having multiple weapons makes your offense dynamic, unpredictable, lots of options. Deep. (laughs) Deep. Those are good things. Normal shit. Get death. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, we haven't heard that word around here in a, since we've been doing this show. I think um, we are running a little long, so I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of rifle through some stuff. Ah, do you want to do that, or do you want to do a separate episode for the defense? Let's let's do a separate episode. Yeah, nice I, I, I want to. Yeah, I want to give the defense its due conversation. So we'll end with the O line here. We're yeah. actually set at tackle, in my opinion. I want to know your opinion, but the, the the question here is: Are we set? And is Matt Parrott, Tyree Phillips depth enough? Because right now, Andrew Thomas, Evan Neal, Matt Parrott, 
Tyree Phillips. Those guys are all signed. Devry Hamilton and Corey Cunningham were re-signed. I think that that's all. All of those guys back there, I think that's good enough. I got to be honest. In a year where you have to improve so many positions, I think you've got enough depth there. That you just hit the qualifier at the end that may be what I was going to say. I think if this was a year where we just – you know, we need to make some moves around the margins. Yeah, maybe you upgrade the, the depth, you know, uh, for tackle. But for right now, I think there's other bigger fish to fry right now than who's your backup tackle. I think we're good. And I'm also, you know, bringing this back to front. I am not concerned about Evan Neal. I know a lot of people were concerned, were disappointed. You know, we're like, this guy is a bust. He's in, you know, you know, he's, he's, you know, horrible pick. You know, just guys a rookie. Tackles who are thrown into the fire more often than not struggle their first year. Let's see, you know, a whole off season again, same coaching staff back, full off season program, OTAs, training camp, preseason, another season. I think you'll feel a lot better about Evan Neal. It's a guy that, you know, ten months ago we were like, oh god, if we if we only could get him, that'd be fantastic. So. I'm not ready to, to give up on him just yet. He's our starting right tackle going forward. I don't expect him to uh, play like he did in 2022 going forward. And I also think that Matt Parrott looked a little bit better last year under Bobby Johnson. Maybe it also just had to do with a different system aside from mm-hmm. coaching. I mean, not for nothing, but Matt Parrott, I, I have made fun of I've been not nice to him on this show. Um, the dude's had like kind of a weird career, right? I mean, he gets drafted at a UConn, um, goes as to the a, pros. As a project. Yeah. Remember that. Yeah. The first thing we said, this guy is a project his, who is thrown into the fire immediately. His first coach is Mark Colombo, who gets into an argument with the head coach mid-year and fired. <laughs> then he gets a new – with Googe is like your new coach now. Um, and then, you know, that whole staff goes out the way. You have Rob Sale then – and then that whole entire coaching staff goes out. Now you have it. I mean, like, there's a lot. Going. Plus, he's got an ACL injury that happened in there. Sure. Like, it's a weird thing. And he looked a little bit better last year. And not for nothing, I think Tyree Phillips is pretty decent depth. And I'm, how old I'm not is even, he? Oh, th- he's young. He's like 25. Yeah. I mean, we're not talking about a 31-year-old or something. We're t- but all this, you know, adrenaline tires. Let's, you know, for what we need, I'm allow- I'm giving him a little more leeway to see what he can do. Um, and I think that Devry Hamilton, I, I know he's a tackle, I think by trade to me, he looked better at guard with this staff moving him around. In fact, he looked downright awful at one point. Um, so, and I think Corey Cunningham is not bad either. We've seen him over the years. I think he looks good when he's a jumbo tight end out there. That is like really his game day rep, but in preseason stuff where he's played tackle, he's looked good. Um, moving to interior o-line right now under contract we have josh azudu mark lewinsky ben bredesen shane lemieux marcus mckeithen um wyatt davis solomon kindly and jack anderson nick gates john feliciano those guys are free agents my big question is do we have starters at guard or jumps depth and who's playing center Feels like we have a lot of depth pieces, but I don't feel like we have really many starters. I think that 
I think that you can get by with Ben Bredesen and Josh Zudu. I think that those guys will be... Um, well, we, we saw the improvement from Bredesen. He was pretty passable last year. I mean, he looked yeah. fine. Um, yeah. Josh Zudu is a guy who's raw. He's coming back from injury. Uh, but he looked a lot better than I thought, too. And in fact, when they were running behind him, they were doing really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, my... And, you know, you have Andrew Thomas on the left side. That certainly helps. Evan Neal is a great run blocker to the right. My big problem is Glowinski is not very good. He had a no. bad year. We're paying him yes. a lot of money. I, I, I need that right guard position solidified. Um, and I feel like we've been saying that for years. I know. And I know they drafted Marcus McKeithen to kind of do that. He's got an ACL injury in, in preseason, man. I, he was already not that good as far as I was concerned from what I saw at UNC. I'm not really counting on him coming back from ACL surgery and winning the right guard spot, Mark Lewinsky or otherwise. And I think a lot of the guard issues can be masked if perhaps they address the center issue by getting a really good center. And I don't know if that's going to be draft targeting or free agent targeting, but I've always maintained that I think the best way to build your offensive line is to get two really good tackles and a really good center, and the guards can be kind of whatever. Agreed. And we are we are two thirds of the way there. We have we think we have our two tackles of the present and the future. You know, let's get that center, and then things will kind of fall in line from there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, would we know how important quarterback is? We 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 spent a lot of time talking about running back. We keep saying wide receiver and tight end. That's super important. One of those got to get addressed. How important is the interior O line spot for you? It doesn't really matter who your quarterback or your running back, or your wide receivers or tight end is, if they have no time to do anything. And it starts with not being able to run the ball. And if you can't do any of those things, it's all moot. So it's very important. Yeah, I would say that center, I, I don't know. I, I, I would, at this time today, say that I am looking at center in the earlier section of the draft than I'm looking at wide receiver. And I think, I mean that because I think you can do a lot with this offense with okay wide receivers but you ain't doing nothing without a really good center yeah. that's just the way i'm looking at it right now today well my hunch is i think you know my guess is we're probably going to be targeting wide receiver probably very close to first and then maybe center maybe the second right yeah. need coming out of it and again i think that's just you know how many centers come out in the first round not very many no right right so it's one of those what are you drafting for value for the round and for the pick also? Right. So I guess we'll have another episode on the defense Ooh. Um, and how they will address that in the offseason. We have some interesting questions there, though I guess not nearly as interesting as Jones and Barkley, right? Oh, well. Well, I mean, interesting in different ways. I mean, you know, we're, we're excited. We'll do it about... topless. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> but I mean, uh, you know, we're excited with Wink Martindale. We're excited for this style he has, but there are things that need to be addressed with this defense. And um, so it's not splashy conversation like quarterback and wide receiver and running back, but a lot of things to address and a lot of things to dig deeper into. And so we're going to do that next, and then we will dive into our position breakdowns and the possible offseason action. 
positions, which means some draft. It also means some free agency. And uh, it's a real fun time. It's one of my favorite things to do. Um, so that's all coming up. So be sure to follow us on Twitter at football underscore grump at the cranky fan. Uh, be sure to like, subscribe, give five star rating, etc., to the show and continue listening, of course, on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, etc., and of course on YouTube. Yeah, we're only a handful away from 400 subscribers, which is pretty amazing that uh, everybody takes the time to subscribe and actually look at our ugly mugs. So we, we thank all of you guys. But the best way for this show to grow is for you guys out there to tell your your fellow Giant fans and friends to uh, subscribe, like, watch the show, make fun of us all you want, make funny comments, do all the things you want to do. But uh, we'd really appreciate it. So thank you in advance for, for following us and being our Giant friends. Yeah, I, I know like five-star reviews like do a lot for the show um, and, and liking it does a lot for the show. But I honestly care less about that than I do about people just literally – telling your other giants fans friends just like yo there's this show you know yeah. what I mean? like i th- to me that's the harder thing to do is to like you know go out of your way to tell somebody something like that and i i think it makes more of an impact as well with directly telling people to check sure. something out sure. um uh, you know i know all the algorithm stuff helps a lot but like i i care more about that stuff so i like i think that's I awesome the- I want the money, so give me uh, give me some likes and subscriptions. <laughs> there you go. All right, guys, we will see you next time. Until then, go Giants. Go Giants.